All right. Well, welcome to another episode of the Digital Recruiter Podcast. I am really excited about today's guest. Her name is Robin Walters, founder of Rogue Recruitment. Been a digital recruiter client all year. Um, I just had the pleasure of getting to know her, work with her. She's a sales and recruiting rock star. She's a mom rock star, just doing it all and has just a really unique story and approach um, that I think a lot of agency recruiters and, and anyone that's learning wants to know kind of about sales and I mean, really how to take it to the next level in sales. She's got a great perspective and she's got the results. So I'm excited to have her share her story. Robin, thanks for being here. Hi, Clark. Hi, everybody. Well, um, let's get right into it. How'd you get into recruiting? I fell into recruiting like I think most people can probably relate to. I graduated college and started working door to door selling office supplies in a 100% commission role um, in the Dallas area. So the good thing about that is nothing is scary after going door to door trying to get people to buy paper. Um, and so very quickly realized that wasn't going to be a good long-term fit for me. So my resume ironically got passed to somebody at Robert Half, who then passed it to his girlfriend at the time, who was working at a management consulting firm in Dallas, who they were hiring for a recruiter. So they asked me, hey, have you ever thought about recruitment? And of course, my answer was, well, no, what, what is it? You know, I mean, I could get paid for doing that, you know, and I think I remember my thought process at the time was, man, if I can go into a random place and sell office supplies, think of the damage I can do in recruitment um, and damage just being, you know, be effective and do it pretty well. So I jumped into that um, and I worked with a really great management consulting firm in the Dallas area who um, it ended up being fantastic because they play such a care in the recruitment process. And that's how I was brought up and how I learned of what experience is a candidate getting, making sure that that care is really given to them. And then also when they're onboarded and as employees. So I did that for about a year and a half before I relocated to the Tulsa area and jumped into staffing at that point. Gotcha. So you mentioned, and I I also fell into recruiting, I think (laughs) 99.9% of the listeners fell into recruiting. Then there's one person, I think Kevin, who is one of our content coaches now that mentioned like he studied, like he wanted to get into recruiting from college, which I'm not sure if I still believe him, uh, but because no, no one really, it's, you know, no one really does that, but I, I love the kind of the fall into it story and kind of how that resonates with, especially the people we have on here, like yourself that are, have had success in this industry. And there's a lot of that relationship kind of care piece that you learned early on kind of seems to be a common denominator. What was it, I mean, on the management consulting side, like what were some of the things that you saw that they did a little bit differently in terms of taking care of candidates and kind of really that relationship? I mean, you said it right there, just the relationship and building the relationship with the candidates. And I mean, we had our goals and they wanted us to, you know, be hitting interviews and having good submittals for roles and of course keep the activity up. But I, the emphasis was always just the care throughout the entire process. 
Yeah. Of just like, is it kind of listening to them, kind of diving in? Is it kind of not doing the whole like, this is the perfect job, you kind of have to take it? Like, what is some of that? That like, I know that nuance yeah. is where people kind of can get tripped up at times. And it, right? I'm it's like, funny because that was. Yeah started when I was 21 so 10 years ago and so I'm trying to go back on it the I didn't recognize and appreciate necessarily the care that could be given until I jumped into staffing and had that comparison point um and so you're I feel like you're wanting me to dig in a little bit deeper I just really haven't thought about this in a while um I think seeing the impact of when somebody would start the job and work with our company and hearing about their growth and seeing them throughout that process and getting to know them after the fact was what was extremely rewarding and gave that perspective of, hey, the, when you're talking to a candidate, this is somebody who could be working with you um, and not just rushing to fill the job and push against if it might not be the right fit and maybe hiding some details, but really doing your due diligence and, you know, good intentions to make sure it's like a long fit. I had one of my first placements I ever had ended up not being a good fit. And um, that was a pretty big lesson learned because then I had to work with him. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a whole different consequence, right? And I'm sure that like you, you hire someone and you got to work with them versus going to Robert half, you place someone and you can just wipe your hands clean. Right. Mm -hmm. At, at the end of it, well, really at the end of the, any guarantee period, but uh, it's in theory at least. Uh, so that is really interesting. So when you go when you go to Robert Half, and it's definitely different, right? You don't have to work with someone after you place them. Well, yeah. What were some of the differences that you saw going on to the staffing side? I mean, the big push immediately was just the activity in the metrics and the numbers. And so when I moved to Tulsa for six months, I worked at like a locally owned staffing firm. Um, and then I went over to Robert Half after I was laid off, which horrifying at the time, amazing, <laughs> turns out. Um, because yeah. of having, you know, have a big fire under my ass when I started at Robert Half. But I mean, at Robert Half, the mindset switched over to, and this isn't just a Robert Half thing, it's the staffing industry as a whole of, hey, how can I make money off of this person? What is you know, so a candidate who's fee eligible, what does that look like? There's this idea of candidate control, client control, all of these pieces that really take away that human and that relationship side of it. And I was on the direct hire desk, which means beginning of every month, I was starting my billing at zero. And so no matter what I did the month before, first of the month rolled around and I'm back at zero. So it was really hard to focus on projecting out positions when there was just that immediate pressure of right now I need things to be good. Um, And it, Robert Half was great because I got a lot of good training and mentorship and I learned from examples of what I wanted to do and probably learned a little bit more strongly from what I didn't want to do. And so then when it got to a point of, I felt like I had gone as far as I could go at Robert Half, I was going to be in that full production seat. I started looking around Tulsa at, well, what other staffing agencies in town approach recruitment in a way that feels more authentic and genuine to who I am and the approach I want to take. Um, and so I looked around Tulsa, didn't find any place, um, and then mistakenly made a comment to an entrepreneur friend of, I just don't understand why when someone's established enough, they don't start their own firm. 
And that <laughs> he looked at me like, Robin, hello. <laughs> <laughs> put the mirror right up yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that started that so, journey which broke yeah. then got started in june 2018 all right so we're five and a half years mm-hmm. in uh what yeah what what was the process like you know kind of the first year i mean how long did it take to kind of start to get some traction so our mid-june started by the end of july we had booked Gosh, I just was talking about this and looked it up. It was like around 45000 that first full month. Um, and so luckily I jumped off. I had a support system. I had a, my, one of my partners had previously done staffing with me and actually hired me at Robert Half. So we just started attacking and relentlessly going after clients and candidates. And the good thing is, you know, there's that book, uh, Purple Cow, with the idea of, you know, first time you see a cow, you're like, oh, wow it's amazing. It's a cow, but then you forget about it. It's just like a cow. But if you saw a purple cow, that'd be something that you would write home to grandma about. Right. So that's the example they gave. So the idea of, it was already an incredibly saturated market, like staffing there's everyone's opening up. There's very low bar of entry. Um, And so there's no point in starting another staffing agency, unless you're going to do something remarkably different. So that's why like the name, even rogue recruitment, we say like, go rogue, we scream it. We're very against the grain and kind of this anti-corporate because that's you know a way to distinguish ourselves and to break through that noise. And so luckily, you know, our, I had built up a really good reputation. My partner had, and so people trusted us enough to be like, Hey, let's see how this, you know, what this little scrappy company, what they can do for us. Um, and from the beginning, we've had, I mean, really like no problem getting clients and having job orders. Every time I start to get stressed looking at our jobs, it seems like within a week or two, we picked up several and the problems switched back to the recruitment side. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I think you, you broke a lot of myths that people have about being a small firm just in, just in that alone. Uh, number one, like that people will only go with a bigger firm. It's not true at all. If you lean into it, if you try to out corporate a corporate firm, you're going to lose. Right. But if you are you and you're Robin and you're rogue, then that's how you can win. Right. The differentiator is a huge piece. I talk about that all the time. You know, that was one of the first things you and I talked about. I was like, this is a pretty cool thing that you're passionate about. Like, let's get this at least on your LinkedIn profile. Right. So people know, and like have that, have that story out there. It's kind of in your face. Um, but the interesting thing is, and I don't want to avoid, I don't want to miss this because it's so important. You're like, we can kind of get, always get clients. I mean, what do you attribute that to? Right? Mm-hmm. Is that like, just like the work? Is it in the process? Cause I mean, I, I, I kind of know the answer for you, but I want people to hear um, like, you kind of can say like, clients kind of, you can always make it happen. Right? You can always get, get roles and get good roles. Like what's the key to that? consistency and i don't just mean consistency and always having like a biz day of campaign or having the conversations but consistency with your clients when you say you're going to reach out and give feedback or do something you freaking do it um if you say end of day it is going out end of day um you know become that trusted partner there where they know hey i i got it right um and then there's also i mean it's it stems, I mean, it's your reputation. And even when you don't fill a job that you, 
you know, you have to make sure that that client still thinks you were good and you added value and you helped them because then you're asking them, Hey, who else do you know? What else is happening? Um, and the big power that gives you when you have good clients and you nurture and develop those relationships is you get to fire the bad ones. We just had a client who we've filled a role with him before. And we've had a couple of positions since then. And it's been like banging our head against the wall, trying to get feedback, um, trying, trying to help them. And it like, it stemmed from, there just wasn't that basic, honestly, like respect for us being value partners. That's fine. They can go work with another staffing agency. They'll happily take their money, but we don't have to because we have other better clients. Um, And it, and then, you know, how do you know if they're good clients? It's not just, you know, if they pay you, because this one client that I just fired, like they've paid us before. Um, When you, well, when I, I'm going to switch this over, I guess, like when I'm talking to a client, there's, especially when it's a new one, it's this diagnosing the problem of why are they talking to me in the first place? You know, there's, of course, that excitement of it's a new client and I want to, you know, oh, maybe this could be a huge account, but that's like down the future right now. Why do they need me? And is it the salary range is bad? Is it they're looking for too many things? Is the hiring manager just a dick? Like, is he a bad manager? Um, Is the company, do they have a bad reputation? You know, what is going on that makes them need me? And when the answer is, hey, they just don't have the internal recruitment process in place. Hey, they need a little help guiding in this. Well, that's what I'm here for. And when you diagnose what the problem is, then that's when, you know, when I do that, that's when I can really decide, is this a role that I want to work? And can I solve the problems that they have? You know, the big thing is I don't want to tell clients or hiring managers what their problems are and then try and convince them that those are the problems that need to be solved, but really take on more of that consultant partner approach of, well, let's really dive in and understand what's going on. And it's very possible I might not be the right fit to helping them with what they need. However, when they do check those boxes and we are a good mesh, I'm going to be your best friend (laughs) and I'm going to make your life easier. Um, And there's that true partnership. There's a new client um, that I just started working with a couple months ago who is a like kind of cold, generic biz dev tough a touch strip campaign through LinkedIn and he responded back kind of like semi aggressively of sharing some frustrations he's had in the staffing world. And then I think he ended the line with like, you know, if there's an easier way, please let me know. And I loved getting that message because it showed me like, Hey, he's had bad experiences with staffing agencies. If I can break through that noise, I think, you know, there's great potential here. But I responded back of just, you know, something the effect of like, I'd love to be able to say I can solve your problems. I don't know what they are. We got to hop on a call. And so we, you know, got on that call, we built up and we've placed in the last, we had a start date November 8th and a start date coming up December 4th. So two roles with them. Um, and that's like 18 and $24,000 fees. And it's been a wonderful experience because they treat me well. And in return, like I get to treat them well and we partner together. Um, And I want to work with those clients instead of the clients who don't respect what I do. It's that simple. It's, it's, it's simple yet that is so hard to get to. And, and, and I mean, I know you've, 
internalize it and you live it, right? So you can maybe make it sound easier than it is. But I think that the key line, and this is something we focus a lot on in the program, especially right now, because I've been catching a lot of people maybe not knowing how to reply at times because there's so many different responses that you get, right? So that's one thing we work on is like, how do you handle certain replies? Because you could get 50 different prospects that say 50 different things in recruiting if you start to kind of open those doors what you said is just like i don't know if i can solve those problems but i'm happy to learn more about them right and then i'll give you an answer either way that alone they've almost never heard from a staffing agency it's just like well what's the rep what's the role yeah we can work on that yeah we can work on that right they commit to something before they have any idea and that's typically what turns off hiring managers right because typically your best clients are we always told Airtech, your best clients already work with staffing agencies, right? Because that's shown that they've are already paid. But typically, they're going to come to you because they're the current ones aren't coming through, right? So it's like knowing how to communicate to like that person and that like that almost like avatar, in a sense, is critical. And the, the kind of the you play dumb not because you're lying because it's kind of true. It's like I don't know, like you're bitching about you know bitching about staffing in the inbox, but. <laughs> I, we just, you know, I'm just digitally meeting you or whatever, you know, term you want to use for that. Like, we got to talk this through. And then, you know, you get then you get the questions to kind of dive in. And there's a very real chance, like, it, he might have been the problem the whole time, right? Like, with those staffing agencies. But it sounded like they actually were. And, like, this was a solvable thing. Yeah. Right? But you wouldn't have known that, like, without kind of knowing what to say, kind of how to approach it in the inbox. And that's such a, a lesson, right, for people. It's just like you open those doors by kind of just saying like, I don't know, like I'm happy to figure it out with you. Right. And that immediately removes the barrier of just like, Oh, they're not, she's not just trying to get like a rep from me right now and send me a bunch of resumes. Cause that's typically what most people are doing. Uh, and so yeah. you know, that's like talk about those actionable tips. Like that's how you stand out. Yeah. And his problem and frustration with staffing agencies with them just blindly throwing resumes over with unqualified candidates um, I, the first role we sent out, I think I sent four or five candidates. Um, and one of them was like potentially for another role down the line. Um, and for the second position, I sent two candidates. That doesn't mean I wasn't doing a lot of screening and working on my end. Um, but that's another thing. Some clients want to see a lot of candidate submittals. So they feel like you're doing your job and working hard. Um, if I'm talking to a candidate and they're not going to be a good submittal, like I'm not wasting my time. I'm not getting the candidate's hopes up. I'm also not going to waste my client's time reviewing it. So that goes back to diagnosing the problem and figuring out, well, what's actually going on with your client. And there's, you know, this is, this is, everyone's like heard this before, but it's the idea of, you know, saying no now gives you the freedom to say yes later. And when you say no to the bad job orders to the bad clients that's that opens you up to building those relationships with the really good ones um and then it goes back to when you do have the good job orders and the good clients that you want to work with do you have the time and bandwidth to devote to them or are you stretched thin because you're trying to turn another job into something that it's not yeah that's that's a doozy of a line, right? Turning the job into something that it's not. Uh, and just, uh, it's such a good line and just the time allocation. I mean, I know you, and I, you and I have talked about this all year, right? Making sure people aren't wasting their time, making people 
sure people are actually recruiting and working, number one, and then I'm sure not wasting their time on, you know, roles that are never going to close, right? Or approaching in a way that they're never going to get a close, right? And you kind of you, you kind of dance around the issue or what needs to be said. And so the client's just like, all right, well, that recruiter doesn't really take themselves seriously. Like, I'm not going to, in a sense, right? And like, that's pretty, that's huge, right? To kind of just know your boundaries and know your worth. I mean, that really resonates with hiring managers. Like, all right, like this firm, like, you know, they have their stuff together. Like, I'm, I'm going to work with them. We're going to trust their process. And, and, and that's huge. And, and one of the things you said in there is some people just want to see some middle. So you're doing the, they know you're, they think they're, you're doing the work. And I, I've talked about this before, right? Being able to kind of show your work to clients and like strategically doing that is huge mm-hmm. in the kind of the whole process. Like, how do you kind of navigate that, right? How do you kind of go about showing them like, hey, we are working so you don't have to send a million submittals to prove the point? I just have good candidates in front of them and they fill their jobs. Um, yeah. And yeah. Do, and I tell them sh- I'm having I mean, Do you ever share like, yeah. Well, I was going to say like, do you ever share like, we've done this many outreaches or like this or like, this is kind of our game plan. Like, does that ever kind of get shared in the process? I'll, I'll mention like, Hey, I have, I, since we just got this role filled, now this opens up this, I'm going to be doing some outreach and reaching out, get some conversations and I'll talk through my plan, but I don't really share the specific numbers or anything. I mean, sometimes I'll, if I'm on like with this one client that was discussing, there was a candidate I was on the fence about. And so we kind of talked a little bit through that without me doing the formal write-up. And then we decided, Hey, if, Something's going on with my gut saying I probably shouldn't submit them. There's probably listen to that. Um, But I, there is value in that. However, I would say if a client is wanting that to prove that you're working, then you probably want to dive in why they need to do that. Um, now, if it were like yeah. a retained agreement and they're paying you more on something like that, then that would make a little bit more sense. But if it's a contingency, it's not my job to send you 10 submittals. It's my job to get you one higher. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's a great distinction right there. Uh, and, and I think what you said, just like dig in. And that's kind of the definitely the theme I think of everything in sales especially in agency recruiting just like dig in first like take a deep breath don't rush to get the job order or some agreement signed just like dig in until it's like pretty clear what the path forward is right whether that's working with them or you point them in another direction Um, yeah I guess when someone isn't a fit Mm -hmm. like how do you approach that conversation do you point them like another agency you're kind of like ah good luck you know I know sometimes recruiters struggle with like what to say when someone isn't a fit on the discovery call because typically like the managers aren't expecting Mm -hmm. to be turned down by an agency Um, like how I mean what are some of the ways you approach that I mean just start with the truth you know hey you know I would love to be getting a check for you at the end of the day because you and I work together and I filled this role. However, you know, based on what we're talking about, it really seems outside of the scope of what I focus in. What I focus in is these sort of roles. It sounds like, you know, it sounds like you're looking for a recruiter that's going to do more low, low touch point, high volume recruitment. Um, I'm not going to be the right fit for that because I focus more on the specialized high touch recruitment. And so if you're looking for a high volume of submittals, 
you're going to end up being frustrated with the activity that I do. Uh, now, if you have a role that requires more of a specialized strategic approach, I'd be a great fit for that. But based on what you said, I just don't think we're going to be that good of a mesh. And they might be, I mean, honestly, people take it well. I mean, they don't want their time wasted. They'll appreciate it a little bit more. Um, but if they're testy with you, that's kind of even more of a, oh, you made the right call. <laughs> You're not going to yeah. work together. Um, or it's even just, hey, I'll put some feelers out. You know, I'll let you know if anyone happens to come up. But this is just outside of our scope of what we normally do. So we might be able to send some candidates over, but I would definitely reach out to other resources also. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's it right there. I mean, I think just that alone is, is huge and could, could save recruiters hours and hours and weeks and months of time, right? If you're just not afraid to have it on the front end of the conversation, right? Dig in and be able to say that on the front end. And then that's where, I mean, I think you've, you've always had that, but I think figuring some of those things out and kind of doing some like the eternal audits that you've done, be like, oh, that's what we got to get back to. And right, I think that's what you see in the last few months. It's like you get back to that, right? Cutting out all the extra noise, and like then the follow through comes, right? And you start soaring again. Um, and that's like it's always like this. It's always simple. The fundamentals are simple, but it's so easy to get away from them in recruiting. But you get back to them, it's just like, oh yeah, this is like this is what works. Like not none of the other distractions or, or, or anything else like that. So um, yeah, and for context but, for anyone listening yeah. who doesn't know, I. Um, recently stepped back into a full-time like production recruitment seat after stepping away from my back-to-back pregnancies. I've been doing a lot of management with the team. And then ironically, after doing the digital recruiter plan, we scaled the team back. Um, and so then I focus, I get to focus on and recruit myself, um, which has been amazing. You're talking about how it's not complicated, but there's all these basics. It's incredibly reassuring because I know if I, do this activity, if I have these conversations, if I schedule my day a certain way, if I make sure things are happening, it will result in placements. And yeah. and just me, my seat doing sales and the recruitment side, within a month, like I'm having eighty one thousand in starts. <laughs> and That's- and it's amazing because holidays are coming up. We still have some things in the pipeline. And I thought that number was going to be, it was almost over a hundred. It was so close, but something didn't come through. Um, But it's amazing because now like I have the flexibility of, Hey, holidays are coming up. I can keep traction going. But then the reality is the lawn needs some work. We got, I got these leaves up, you know, so just, yeah. and I say there's a, I guess that was kind of, Clark and I were joking about that, but I can take a breather now because I did the work that I needed. I knowing the time of the year, consistency. I knew if I did the work, it would happen. And now, like that, eighty-one thousand in a month as an individual seat is amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I share that as, yeah. and and this is a what your you know program preaches also is just that consistency if you are having these conversations if you are doing this work you you'll be forced to be successful um almost and people get excited about the eighty-one thousand dollar months and think that that's just going to naturally happen but 
that means you're submitting a certain number of candidates each week. It means you're having these conversations with clients. It means you're speaking to, you know, three to five candidates a day. It means you're sourcing to have that. It means sometimes after the kids go to bed, I need to spend an hour catching up on emails because I told candidates and sets the expectation I would get them some information. Um, so now things get to be flexible and chill for this end part of the year, but that's because all of this hard work and there has to be a balance and like the hard work and doing the work has to happen. And there is no escape. There's no amount of tools you can use. There is no way to buffer or hide the fact if you are not doing the work because you like, I I feel like I've read you a little bit, but, but you have to work. There's, there's a lot of opportunity and money to be made in staffing and it is incredibly fulfilling. It's amazing. I have loved working with candidates again and seeing the impact of what I'm doing in their lives. Um, But you have to work and you have to work well um you can't be everybody's breath of fresh air because your success should be getting people jobs you can be a breath of fresh air while you're getting people jobs but you have to do the work you got to get the result and i mean i I think everyone definitely could tell that like yeah that's not that you didn't have these principles before we started working together but it's like and your journey this year has been fascinating i mean i think it's been so real in in a sense of like how easy it is to kind of think of things one way in terms of building an agency and i know what everyone is i'm sure interested in hearing is just like you just said like we scale down to have you actually grow which is probably going to be the opposite of what people think when i talk about scaling recruitment agencies i don't always mean adding more people in fact i typically don't suggest adding people until you get it right, right? If the owner, the the first couple of people really are dialed in, uh, this is a lesson, you know, I've had to learn, you've had to learn, like a lot of owners had to learn of like just more tools, more people isn't always the answer, right? It's the right people, it's the right process, it's coming through. Uh, that's what matters. Um, so I, I don't want to kind of get into that a little bit because uh, we connected January, I think January, February, right? You, you reached out, um, yeah, what what was the inspiration at the time, right? Just so the listeners know, for you to kind of reach out and for us to start working together. Yeah, I I, I had my baby in April. So January, February would have been a little bit before that. I had another maternity leave coming up. And, you know, Q4, end of the year, things slowed down. And this was, we're heading up Q1. We got to make a lot of money to buffer my maternity leave. Um, and so I was feeling a lot of stress of needing to just build and create that nest egg for the team. Um, and you talk about, you know, going back of good clients. I had a good client hiring manager was responsive, wanted us to be successful, gave us great information. They've used agencies for like the ideal client. The job was good paying, a really good job working exactly in our wheelhouse of what we do. And the search was a train wreck. We had the candidates we sent over. I think I... There was just a handful of them. And I think I sourced 75, 80% of the candidates for the team to talk to. Once we had the interested candidates in play, there was all these scheduling mishaps of just, it was 
a disaster. And it was so clear that something is wrong with our foundation as a recruitment company. We can't recruit. We're doing the recruitment part very poorly. So I had seen all your content and I think I just kind of reached out. And, um, and so then you and I, we got the boot, the team going in a boot camp. And then it was also great because then you were there to help give that coverage and accountability while I was out, um, doing the whole baby thing. <laughs> what? And then it just have someone to have eyes yeah. on there for you, right? And just kind of like, all right, this is the call. This is who's showing up, not showing up. This is, you know, we're giving them everything we knew with automation, with content, with having conversations, with managing accounts. It's like, let's see what sticks. And I think that's the, sometimes a, a misconception people have about what we do is like, I'm going to come in and fix all your problems. No, I'm going to reveal who's who wants to be on the ship and who doesn't want to be on the ship. Like that's ultimately what we do for owners because you kind of need that. It's easy to have the emotional ties and the blinders on with your team, right? Cause you, you, you know, you assume they're going to care as much as you care, which we all know isn't the case and that's okay. It doesn't have to be that way. Um, you're never really going to fix that, but you can get people to buy into the vision and just do what needs to be done on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think mean, kind of trying so many things to kind of reach through. Um, and then I think, Right. It, it, that I think was kind of revealing for you. And we kind of kept talking like, all right, what's, what's kind of not clicking here. Right. And, and we kind of kept going, right. Even after, um, you know, the, the initial 90 days, I think there was, you were definitely when you were available to use it because you were on maternity leave, like you knew the process right away. You're like, Oh, this stuff makes sense. The LinkedIn stuff, the outreach, right. Some of the campaigns, like you were just like, Oh, I wish I could get back to it in a sense and then over the summer i was like well you're doing this right a couple you know another person on your team is definitely getting the hang of it but like is everyone actually doing what they that you've that you're paying them to do in a sense um you know and that's their choice right i i don't know if we kind of want to talk about that a little bit but like you know as an owner and kind of giving people the choice to show up or not show up like what's been kind of I would say like the evolution or what have you learned kind of in, in that part of your journey? Yeah. And I think saying choice is the big, big emphasis of the word there. Um, and cause as a leader, you always want to make sure that if somebody is going to lose their job, it is by their choice. And so what that meant for me was, did they have training and access and all the tools available to them that they could have been successful if they chose to. Um, and when we first spoke, you know, telling you, Hey, I'm, worried that I'm not seeing this clearly because I care about the team a lot. Um, and I'm also pregnant as hell. I don't know like if I'm <laughs> taking offense to things that aren't actually there. So you and I spoke and it was that reveal what's going on. Um, and it goes back to there's that cool vision and idea of what recruitment can be and the lifestyle you can have with it and like i'm living proof that that works and how i'm gonna have this next month to really relax keep momentum going but it's because i did the work in the balance and there's it's really easy to see both i like the coin right and decide well i want to do the easy side i want to have all that flexibility and 
with, but you have to <laughs> spend time on both sides of the coin. You gotta earn it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it, when the decision was made to scale back on the team, I felt horrible about it because, you know, I'm, I'm human. Um, and I care, but it also, because we partnered together, it took away the guilt of, well, was this because I was out on maternity leave because I wasn't able to do all of this for them and keep the accountability going myself when it was, well, there was a choice there. Now that doesn't mean me being out didn't impact um, the team because it did, but that didn't change the fact that there still wasn't those results. I mean, the last team meeting we had, you were on it with me. The one person had one submittal the prior week. And that's after six, nine months of being in this program, knowing the expectations are higher. And that was their choice to have that output. Um, somebody else on the team wasn't engaged or paying attention to the meeting. I mean, that was their choice. None of this should have been um, a surprise. And I say all this delicately because I do care very much about the folks who were impacted. Um, but to circle back to all of this, is you have to do the steps, you have to do the work. And when you follow all those steps and you have the right activity, have the right conversations, work with the right clients, work with the right candidates, do everything right along the way, it's amazing. Um, there's, you get to build these relationships with candidates and see I mean, there's somebody who he starts in December. Okay, this is going to sound like a crazy story. One, the job with the client, their job description was dated November 2022. So they've been looking over a year, which big red flag, right? But diagnosed, well, what's going on that they need me, right? Within, I think, three weeks, we get an offer out. Um, and a week of that was delayed because the client was out of town. Okay, so immediately fill that on the other side of it, which feels good, um, of course. But what's... I love is the candidate who's taking this job. He was actually my first billing client when I moved to Tulsa in August, 2015. Now he's since like moved on to another role. Um, but he I mean, just consistently incredibly nice guy. He treated me with respect back when I was 22, not knowing what the hell I was talking about, you know, doing my questions I'm supposed to ask, you know, well, tell me about the size of your environment. What servers are like doing all that stuff. He was incredibly kind then. And he, it's an incredible job. He's getting a like almost $30,000 pay increase plus a 20% pension plan. Like it's an amazing job and opportunity for him. And like being able to, you know, 2015, that was eight years ago and it's it's a yeah. long-term game you know and like he's always treated me with respect i've always done the same for him and just seeing 
that impact that that's going to make in his life is like literally life-changing and the client has had this position open over a year and then he's so like it's just such a good mesh and it that feels so good and yes it's exciting to think oh cool well now my family gets to make money you know my family's supported because of helping his family and it's um so of course that part of it is but that's always kind of secondary because I'm just so excited for him and building that relationship and seeing that come through. I have another candidate who is starting also December 4th. And after we talked about a job, she had looked up like the company on their website and it's like, no third party agencies, you know, and she, she reached out to me like, Robin, can you confirm you're working with them? <laughs> and like, cause and I was like, yes, I promise I got you. You're sent over. And yeah. so we've been laughing about that too, but building those relationships, having those little stories and then have a great life. You know, my family's like being very well supported. I've taken care of what I need to. Um, All of that is fantastic. And it starts from the very beginning of, are you doing the right outreach? And you can't skip steps because those steps are incredibly important. Um, But it is your job as a leader is to make sure it is a choice and partnering with you made sure it was a very clear choice to circle back. <laughs> we had, yeah, I, 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 those are great stories. I mean, eight years, which is like 80 years, I think a dog recruiting years, however you want to calculate <laughs> yeah. it. That was a lot of pressure. Uh, it, 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 <laughs> yeah, this is, life is a lot different. Uh, 2015, we, we still had our innocence, but uh, it, <laughs> it's, I mean, those are great candidate stories, and I think what it circles back to. I know what you were trying to, you know, what you were the point you were making, and maybe I'll make some of it for you. Is you know, we track those KPIs, so we let them self-report every week, and even in that, the numbers were pretty low. I mean, they some people weren't even trying to make up numbers. Uh, maybe sometimes, <laughs> maybe sometimes they were, but their made-up numbers were still below the expectation, um, and that'll happen. I, I've seen that across the board with agencies that I've worked with. I mean, it happens at Aerotech, Robert Happ. I mean, people do what they can, or you have an off week because you fudge the numbers a little bit. You know, I, I, sure, I get it, but over time, you're going to be revealed in recruiting. If you don't have the activity, you're not going to have the results. If you don't, you know, have the results, like enough said, in, in a sense, right? You always look at effort first and activity, and it just became so clear. Right. And that's what I wanted for you is for you to have a clear picture of what was going on, like what reality was. And because it's easy to have that emotional tie. I care about my team. It, it, it hurts sometimes to have those conversations with my team. Like I get it, uh, but it has to happen. And then being able to do that has now allowed you to not spend days worrying about that and to actually spend time wor- focusing on what matters. Right. And now you're able to create this story because you've, you've allowed yourself the opportunity to do what you do best versus trying to pick up people that have shown they aren't invested in being there. And that's okay, right? Just like you talk to hiring managers, hey, I don't think we're a fit to work with you. It's got to be the same thing with your team. Like we've got the tools, we've got the training, none of it's sticking. I think you like just being remote and doing whatever, but I I can't fund that, (laughs) right? Like, it's just like, you gotta, like, that's just not on me. Like, you you, you know, you gotta go somewhere else for that. And that's, that's okay. And sometimes you have to be the, the bump in the road for someone else. But that, again, I said, that's their choice. But now that you've opened up the door for this, that's where the growth happens, right? And every, 
coaching program or whatever, like digital recruiter talks about like ROI, you know, added six figures and seven figures in placements and yada, yada. But like, this is the work it takes to get that. And that could be two weeks in, two months, a year in, two years in, whatever. But the whole thing is like, what is your journey and your path? And I don't know if we saw this coming in February, right? But it's like, you don't even know kind of like what the path was going to look like. You just knew you needed an extra set of eyes to kind of help get there. Uh, and it's kind of where you want it to be. And I think that's that's just very real as like an agency owner. Like it's not all glamorous. Like it's like you got to get in, get your hands dirty, figure out who wants to be on board, figure out what you got to do. And like, and then just go do it. Yeah. Like, and it's simple as that, right? It's been... Yeah. Um, pretty validating stepping back in because you know you when you get out of production a little bit and you know my team my a lot of my focus was on the management and the operation side especially when my bandwidth was so limited because I was working on maternity leave um yeah. I didn't only had so much time and so you start to hear excuses or just excuses are even not, you're not even getting excuses. You're just not getting coverage on your jobs. And you see these good jobs and you're like, what is happening? And so then you, know, you look on LinkedIn and people are like, oh, it's really hard to be a recruiter right now. So you start to kind of hear that. And so, um, you know, we saw that when, you know, my previous partner who had stepped away from production came back in production and all of a sudden she was filling jobs. She was making things happen. Um, and so. Right away. Yeah. And. So I'm stepping, you know, I'm thinking like, hey, it's not that hard. Like, why aren't y'all just working and doing it? Um, and so now that I'm not having to spin my wheels on the management side and have a lot less operational work and I'm me myself on the production seat, boom, it's not that hard. You just have to work. Yeah. Um, and so it's been really reassuring to know like, oh, I still got it, you know, and then also just yeah. to hear be, to be able to step in and show that the possibility and the opportunity is absolutely here. It, it's, it's a choice. It's right there. It's completely a choice. I've heard the excuses all year. And not to say that it isn't a tougher year, but there's still work, right? Even a 15, 20% reduction in a $150 billion industry it's still a hundred plus million, you know, a hundred plus billion dollars, excuse me. Uh, right. There's still, someone's getting paid somewhere on the agency mm-hmm. side. And I think just having that attitude is so important. And you talk about standing out just from a principles and marketing piece, but just standing out from a sales piece, it's just having that mindset. The business is out there. And if I'm not getting it, I got to look internally first. Like, what am I doing? What am I not doing? Right. And just that it's never going to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. And, and and that happens, right? I think you would even say, like, as you said, like, it wasn't maybe ideal, right? It's not like the the scaling back means the other people were 100% in the wrong, right? It's not that way at all. It's just, it can be a little bit circumstances, right? And, you know, you can make excuses, but it will catch up to you after a while. If you own what you, if you own what you can own, it's going to work out. As you said, you're almost going to be like forced to win. Mm-hmm in a sense. And like, that is such a key mindset to have in agency recruiting, because it is a grind. But if like, you just keep at it, like you will win. And the only people I see quote unquote lose are the ones that don't have that mindset, or they think it's going to be easy. And, you know, they show up for a couple of weeks or just two months. And then they're like, well, it didn't work for me. It's like two months. Like, 
I'm figuring this out after 10 plus years still. <laughs> like, like two months? Like, are you kidding me? Like, like that's nothing, right? Like, you know, we have a 90-day program because I want you to get the framework and the exposure to the, the information, the process that I know can change your life. But it's going to take longer than three months for all the things to be humming and come together and you to see the maximal, I would say, like fruit on that investment. Right. And that's the fun part. You can see stuff early. Right. You can have people make placements the first week or two working together. That's great. But like I want you to make hundreds of placements more from this and less time over the next 5, 10, 15 mm-hmm. years. Right? And it's just like it's just staying with it. Right. Who's on board? Who isn't? You know, you can always get 1099 recruiters. There's plenty of people that would love to work remote tonight. And just kind of I think even thinking the way of kind of building out your team because you actually have recruiters mm-hmm. right now. Right. But they're again, you're not. Like it's a much healthier dynamic, right? Because they eat what they kill in a sense, and that's a it's that's kind of how you are. It's how you were trained, right? And I think you kind of remove the expectation of what you maybe thought an agency should look like to like what actually works for you, right? and that's super important. That's where I love that. Like we got you to that place, which was my initial goal for you, right? It's like help you figure out what's going to work for you to make this thing profitable and enjoyable. Yeah, and I was. It was at a point, and um, <laughs> I don't, I, I never shared this with you, but as I was looking back to coming back um, after maternity leave, like I'm cutting my pay again, things just aren't working. And I updated my resume, and I was like, because my job was no longer working and supporting my family and making it work. And so, but then I started thinking, well, what about my job isn't working right now? Surely, if anyone's going to have the power to fix it, it's going to be when you own the company. Um, and I'm so glad that I stepped back into production myself. Um, and it was a few weeks ago, I was driving to uh, pick my kids up from daycare. And I just had this realization of, I finally have the dream job like this. I have the flexibility I need. I'm able to be, you know, the mom that I can, I have a two-year-old and a seven-month-old. Um, I'm able to take just care of what I need to and support my family in this industry and job that I just love doing and get immense satisfaction out. Like I'm finally living the dream of what that it should have been, um, of what it should be when you start your own business and have all of this. And it is unfortunate that scaling back the team had to happen. Um, But it's also a big journey that I've taken these last several years is recognizing where my responsibilities lie with employees. And I'm not responsible for supporting anyone's family, but I'm responsible for providing them the opportunity so they can support their families. And that's a big distinction and it comes back down to choice um and now that i get to make the choice of how i want to spend my time and my work i am able to check all the boxes that i need and i finally have the dream of what i've been looking for i love it i love it 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 makes me really happy to hear that because and you you did share that with me in the middle of the chaos (laughs) of the summer and that's where I, I think I kind of realized, well, these are, this is the kind of the choice you have mm-hmm. in front of you, right? And you kind of went with it, and I loved it. Like, you text me the updates, you call me with updates, and I love hearing that. I mean, that was the whole 
goal of this was to get you through that maternity leave out on the other side, like knowing like what you had to do, but I think you had, you needed that moment to be like, wait, what am I doing? Like, I don't have to go down this route. I just have to kind of rip the bandaid here. And I think within a week, I think, you know, I remember like your stress was like way <laughs> lower. You're just like, Oh, I actually like do this again. I said validating because you got the skills and it's just staying with that. And now when you, if you choose to build again, and now you have the choice, if you want to keep going this way, you want to kind of build, I think you know exactly what you're going to be looking for and the type of people that you're going to be looking to kind of partner with and, and that are going to treat the rogue name with, you know, kind of the, the, the respect that it's, it's earned, right. And kind of having that on, on your profile and representing that, like it, that means something, right. There's a certain process and way. Um, it's not just Robin, but it's like kind of the rogue way, right? As you have on your profile, you're like, hey, I, we have to live this like day in and day out. Um, and then just knowing that setting those expectations going forward. I mean, that's what's going to be fun to see the next five years yeah. as you're doing this. You hit the 10 year mark, like where you look back and like, wow, this is quite a journey, right? So that, that that's what I'm excited for you know, for you. So, yeah. um, and it's cool. you know, ironic. Cool. You scale back the team and we, I t- tell people about it. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Are you doing okay? And well, what does this mean for Rogue? Is Rogue still working and in operation? And like, we've made these changes mid-September. So we've had an entire, you know, Q4 will be more billing than Q1, 2, and 3 combined. So, but by scaling back, it means we get to be more focused. And like, since I am now recruiting, like Rogue's doing more and has more of an impact. And it feels good knowing the details are covered and candidates and clients are being treated how yeah. they want to be and you got that's amazing right and it, it could take some time and effort and then just digging in and figuring out the root cause it's it's what we did and then you had to make the tough decisions and now you're reaping right the, the fruits of that um even though it's it could be hard and now i mean you got what 20 plus like it engineering jobs he's accounting and finance on there focus in tulsa like you're really owning that market and you know, this was a tougher year, but now you're really poised for 2024 to be mm-hmm. incredible from a profitability aspect. So I, I'm just, I'm, I'm super excited for you. Um, I love that, that you were able to share the story. Uh, I guess one last thing, what, what would you kind of leave as like for maybe aspiring agency owners or current agency owners, you know, kind of one piece of advice, um, maybe as a like kind of, what to start their agency or in their infancy stages of their agency? What's like one big piece of advice you would give them? Take it day by day, step by step. Um, and don't try to replicate yourself and spin your wheels trying to replicate, replicate yourself because you're not going to, there's a reason you're you and yeah. why you're in the position you are, why you have the reputation and the brand to start your own company successfully. Um, and, it's easy to get caught up in, oh, if there was another me, then I could be doing all this other things or we could have way more revenue, all this other stuff. And yeah, that sounds fantastic. But before you do that, just focus on your strengths, what you are good at and what you need to make the job work for you and build around that. Don't focus on what other people need and then you always be secondary. If you're taken care of, everything else will work and be taken care of also. But it it's not even the right word, but it's okay to be a little bit selfish when it's your company. Um, 
but that's a wrong word because you're not being selfish. You're just taking care of yourself. But yeah, boundaries. boundaries exactly. Yeah. It's okay to have boundaries and, and have boundaries. stop trying to replicate yourself. It's very well said. And it's just a great way to end it. It's such a good piece of advice. And yeah, I hope, you know, if you're listening, you, you, you take that to heart because this is, let's say the downfall of many businesses, but especially in agency recruiting, right? Like do what you need to do, I say, to provide the opportunity for someone to make it happen for themselves and their families, as Robin said earlier. Um, so I, I love that. Well, I know we can, we can find you on LinkedIn, right? Um, you know, Robin, Robin Walters on LinkedIn. Uh, is, is it roguerecruitment.com yeah. website? We'll have all the links on the podcast, like episode summary. Um, so make sure to connect with Robin if you're in the Tulsa area. Maybe if you're not in the Tulsa area, I don't know. Uh, and you need some you know, IT engineers, accounting and finance help, reach out. Her and her team are awesome. I've worked with them personally. And it's incredible that just kind of the work ethic and the coverage that they can have and just the quality of their work. So um, definitely someone you should connect with if you haven't done so already. So Robin, appreciate you being yeah, here. Thanks for having me, Clark. All right. Well, until next time, uh, we'll, you know, I'd say rate the episode, what, five stars? And someone gave me a one star last week on Spotify, which is me. It was so me. So if you have if you have it in you, I, I, it was Robin. All right, I found the culprit. So, uh, you know, if you have it in you, you know, get, give us a five star on Spotify so we can kind of reach more recruiters and kind of share the good words, the good stories and the good processes about, you know, what it's really like working in the industry and how fulfilling it can be, but also the grind. So uh, until next time, happy right, hunting, thank guys. Thank you. Bye.